Father, I thank you for a, uh, a time where we can come in and, and hear from your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that this would be a really exceptional time of hearing from your spirit. Uh, Lord, not because we are anything special, uh, but just because, Father, you love us and you desire to pour out uh, uh, the spirit of wisdom upon us. And I, I pray, Lord, not that, that we would attain anything, not that we would uh, discover anything really amazing, but just that we would learn about you, who you are, and that somehow you would help us to believe the simple things that we learn, that we would be able to believe that you love us and that you will give us your grace every moment that we call upon you in faith and in humility. So Father, we ask that you would do this um, in humility. We believe that we need a, a fresh work of you and your spirit and your grace. And we, we can't just be the same people day after day and year after year uh, still struggling with the same things. We need your freedom. We need to be set free. And Father, we pray this. Uh, Lord, we just speak it with just brokenness. Lord, we can't be who we've been. We need you to remake us. We need you to, to do it all because we can't do any of it, Father. We're fully convinced of that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, standing still at the end of the road. There's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors and speakers. They talk about victory and success and winning. You have just all of these, hashtag winning, right? Um, there's, there's just so much talk about it. So riddle me this. Why? is the Christian experience that I've been most familiar with been failure, difficulty, dryness, weakness, ignorance, help, hopelessness, helplessness, frustration, and regression. That's been my life. I don't know if that's anyone else can identify with me, but that has been the most common experience in my life. And time after time, I seem to get to the end of the road the end of the road, where I cry out, I cannot change. I cannot please God. I cannot get out of the hell that I live in every day. I get to the end of that road constantly, continually. And believe it or not, that is very necessary. It's a very necessary event in our life with God and in our relationship with God. So, uh, I mean, I could ask each of you to raise your hand. Have you gotten to that? How many times have you gotten to the end of the road? And it's, it might be quite a few for us. What? Lost count. I could make a joke, but I will refrain. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's at this day of the end, where we're at the end of the road, it's in this day that we come to the end of self-sourced efforts. That's where we come to the end of it. It's the day that we stop trying. And you guys who have been with me for a long time, uh, long time? <laughs> long time. But you guys who have been with me for a while know that, that the word try in a Christian's life is the worst four-letter word for a believer. I know it's, I understand that. 
It's, made, it's said to make a point. Four-letter words are bad. The word try, shh, don't say that word. It's a bad word. <laughs> the word try is, is not what we're going for. It's not what the Bible ever says you're to do. The Bible never says try. And this day at the end of the road, when we get to the end of our, of our, tr- of our, of, of our efforts, it's the day we stop trying. We say, I'm, I'm done trying. It's the day that we're fully convinced that we can't do anything apart from the gracious work of Jesus in our heart and in our life. It's the day when all we have left is faith. Have you reached this day yet? Possibly you're still in a season of struggle, of efforts and and difficulty. And that's fine because today might be the end. Today we might get to the end of the road. And a couple of things we notice at the end of the road, there is wilderness all around. As we're going to see, we're going to study, the children of Israel have left Egypt, and now Egypt is, the armies of Egypt are going to be chasing them. That's the text we're going to be in. And they're going to get to a place where they're hemmed in, it says, by the wilderness. There's just the Red Sea in front of them and mountains all around them and the, the armies right behind them. And the enemy is fast approaching to destroy them. And we're going we're gonna to personalize this. We're going to see that this is us. When we get to the end, it's got a few things. Number one, you're hemmed in by wilderness all around. You have, there's no escape. There's no way you can save yourself. Number two, the enemy is fast approaching you. You're the, the, whatever it is, is coming after you. And it's, it's like the end. It seems like God is a million miles away. It seems that way. What are you going to do? At the end, what are you going to do? And this is what we're going to learn today. Nothing. Nothing. And you're like, blasphemy! I have to know. Nothing is the truth. I'm going to read a quote from Arthur Pink. He's a he's a theologian I've been reading a lot recently, and I just love the way that he phrased this. He says, faith must be tested and tested severely. But why? Tell me, uh, that we may learn the sufficiency of our God, that we may prove from experience that he is able to supply every one of our needs, and he's able to make a way escape of every temptation, and he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So that sums up the lesson we're going to learn today. Three verses that I want you to remember before we get into our text in Exodus. I'm going to have just share with you three verses. The first is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Very important verse. This is a good refrigerator verse or, you know, bathroom counter verse. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What words stand out to you in that verse? Perfect peace. Uh, Maybe something different stood out to you, but that's what stood out to me. And that's what I kind of heard. Perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. All right, our next verse is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. What, verse, what words stand out to you in that verse? Be still. 
perfect peace. Be still. Are you sensing the direction we're going in? Okay. Hebrews 11.29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry land. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. I'm going to give you Sean's translation. When the Egyptians tried to do it, they failed. When you try, you will fail. But by faith, you can do it. Okay, we'll see how this works together. That's Yoda has spoken. Yoda has spoken to us. Do or do not, there is no try. I love it. It was just like as natural as anything. You are succeeding as parents. Thank you. So perfect peace, be still, by faith. All right. Faith is a position of the heart. It's accepting God's promises as truth and acting like they're going to be fulfilled. That's an easy definition of faith we're going to go with today. So let's get into our text in Exodus chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn uh, and camp before Pi Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it uh, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, and the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God is leading the children of Israel. He, they're, they're going kind of out of Egypt. So this is Egypt. They're going out of Egypt over to the promised land they know belongs to them. It's been promised to them by God. So they're on their way. Do, 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 do. And then God says, turn and go this way. And go to here. And then you've got the Red Sea here. And they go to this little point right next to the Red Sea that's a little spit of land that you could easily fit three or four million people on. Um, and... As they get there, there is no way out. God leads them to a place that there is no way out. Why would he do that? They could have easily just gone straight into the promised land. All done. We're done with the book of Exodus. Let's start Leviticus. No, but that's not what he does. And we reread last week that God sometimes takes us on the roundabout route instead of the most quick and most direct route because he is interested in our development as people. And he can't get that done in short amount of time, short amounts of time. He's much more interested in accomplishing a thorough work of trust in our heart. And so that's why your life takes a long time to get places sometimes. That's why. Because we are learning to walk with the Lord and trust in the Lord. And God is so much more concerned about you knowing him and trusting him and walking with him and being delivered by him than he is about you arriving at whatever destination you think is the right destination. He's so much more concerned about that. So he leads them to the place. And there is only sea in front of them. They're on this flat part of land. And behind them and to the right and to the left, like all back here, is all steep mountains like 
gorgeous. And there's one path that goes cut straight back through this that's like, like straight up on both sides. You can fit about 10 people across, and that's the path they get. They follow the Lord, and he leads them right down here. Well, how is he leading them? We learned last week that there's a pillar of fire during the night and a pillar of cloud during the day, so they know it's the Lord. They know he's leading them right here. So he leads them down this narrow path into this outcropping, and now they are stuck there is no human way of escape. Let me say that again. There is no human way of escape. And that's what it's like at the end of the road. There is no human way of escape. You can't come up with a plan to get yourself out. You can't commit more. Oh, if we, let's, what are you going to commit to? There's nothing there. You can't fight. You can't run. You are literally, at the end, stuck no human way of escape, and Pharaoh is hot on their tail. It's... But God gives them a promise. In our text here, he always gives a promise for us to hold on to. When you're at the end, God has given you a promise. And if you've forgotten what that promise is, and you're at the end, and you're thinking, what am I going to do now? Please open up your Bible and read. What will happen is the Holy Spirit will remind you he's so good to us that he will just literally say, I know you're dumb. I know you're forgetful. And I've already told you this a hundred times, but you'll be reading and you'll, you'll come across the verse that says, oh, my, you'll keep my mind in perfect peace or you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you and you'll just remember that verse and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will flood you with peace and you have a choice then to believe that promise and move forward in faith or to doubt it and try to get your way out. Our text goes on. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. I'm sorry, we just read that. <laughs> now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and he sa they said, why have we done this and uh, that we have let Israel go from serving us? How quickly the enemies of God forget his power and his judgments. What has just happened in Israel? I mean, everything, right? The 10 plagues. I mean, things have been destroyed and crops are destroyed and animals died. And not only that, but all their firstborn kids were slain by the angel of death. I mean, Pharaoh was grieved. He, he was like, oh man, I've rebelled against God. I know he's God. And now, just a short time later, he's like, you know what? Screw God. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go rebel again. Didn't you just finish your son's funeral, Pharaoh? And you're wanting to go back to the exact same thing that got you into this horrible mess? rebelling against God, just do what God says. <laughs> it's not that hard. Satan truly blinds the eyes of those who serve him, doesn't he? They go right back. What does Proverbs say? As a dog returns to its vomit, a sinner goes back to his sin, right? He tricks them into thinking rebelling against God is, the, is a good idea. You know, the whole it's, it's very common in this world. There's just lots of rebellion and they think that's the way to go. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 uh, choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. 
So Israel, so Egypt pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horses, his army, and he overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi Hiroth before Baal Zephron. If you want to know where this actually is, okay, so there's a little debate in the world. Some people say that this isn't actually the Red Sea, but the Sea of Reeds, because in Hebrew, Yom Suf means reeds in present-day Egyptian. And so they say, oh, well, they didn't go to the actual Red Sea. They just went to this little, like, two-inch, like, bog that's on the western part of Egypt. And if that's the case, if you want to believe that, you're crazy. But if you do, you have more faith than I do because you are going to believe that God drowned the entire Egyptian army in two inches of water. Okay. But if you just believe the word of God, if you just look at the word of God, they're not by a bog. It says they're by the sea and they're hemmed in and we have the exact, I mean, you can know where this is. It's very clear. In fact, there's a pillar there that Solomon established and says, this is the Red Sea crossing site. You know, but people ignore uh, archaeology sometimes just because they want to be super smart. Anyway, so they're camping by this place. Pharaoh knows it. As Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marked after them. Where did they lift their eyes to? Where did they lift their eyes to? The Egyptians. Notice that. Mark it. It's very important. And they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So at the end of hope, at the end of the road, with no way out, the people cry out to the Lord, which would generally be a good thing, except in this situation, it's not the good kind of prayer. As we shall see. Look what it says. And they say to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is, it, is this not the word we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we might serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So in this part, we get a glimpse into the heart of the people the condition of their heart, and the condition of their faith, honestly. Their faith is tested like it always is. Your faith will be tested by God. You're like, you start coming to church, and all of a sudden, everything breaks on your car. Right? Happens all the time. Or, you, you know, you start coming to church, you start really rocking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, some relationship problem starts happening, either in your marriage or with people at work. Your faith is being tested. It always, always happens. And they fail this test spectacularly. After all that God has done for them, they still refuse to put their trust in him. Plague after plague after plague. They get saved from the plagues. God changes an impossible situation for them, and Pharaoh lets them go. And now they still won't. After all that God has done for me, I still refuse to put my trust in him. Listen, I'm just the same guy as these children of Israel. We forget all of God's faithfulness when we're in the middle of our current emergency, don't we? It's, a, it's at least our tendency. It's what we usually do. But again, this is a necessary moment in our life with God. In our walk with God, we have to get to the end of this road. And you may fail the test of faith spectacularly, 
But when you're at the end, you can still be delivered by God. He will still deliver you. Even when you're faithless, he remains. Preach it, guys. And it says, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marked after them. Pay attention, guys. This is a huge lesson when you're at the end of the road, when you're being tested by faith. Whenever we set our eyes on the enemy or on the problem, the result is fear. Fear. Stress, worry, and fear. This is not the life God has for you as his child. His people are not condemned to living a life of stress, worry, and fear. And just, just believe me when I say, if you're stressed out and if that's the definition of your life, that is not where God wants you to remain. Now, he's not looking down on you saying, oh, you're so stressed out, I'm so disappointed in you. But he's just saying, stop looking at the enemy. Stop looking at the problems. Where are they supposed to look? Right. They lifted their eyes, just not high enough. If they just would have lifted them a little higher, what would they have seen? A giant, big old, awesome cloud filled with the glory of God was right above them. And they, but they, just, they, they didn't lift it up just quite enough. All they saw was the problem. When you lift your eyes up, you don't see it anymore. I mean, the problem's still there, but God takes responsibility to protect you. There is more to this life than worrying about every little thing. You and I have been set free. God says, set your mind on heaven and on me. Set your eyes on me. How? What do I need to do to lift my eyes? Tell me, because I hate living in a constant state of stress and worry and fear. Moses said to the people, look at our text, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, shall, you shall see no more again forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Fear not, is what Moses tells them. Just stand still and watch what God is going to do. You say that all the time, Pastor. How in the world am I supposed to just do that? Well, I want you to remember the verse that we looked at at the very beginning, the one in Isaiah 26.3, the one that said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do I do not be afraid? He commands me, do not be afraid. How do I do that? Isaiah tells us, set your mind and your heart upon the Lord. Remember his word and his promises. Take your thoughts captive to the truth that he offers you in the Bible. And people will say, why aren't you afraid? I mean, Pharaoh's army is right there. Your life, they just said terminal. They just said cancer. They just, they just, your life is falling apart. How come you are not afraid? You are crazy. 
But I want to know, why, how are you not afraid? Well, I remember God's word says, fill in the blank. Whatever promise he has laid upon your heart this day. And I believe it's true. But what about your doubt? That's, it's not here anymore. Well, how can that be? Well, by experience, I've learned that all of God's word will be fulfilled. He will do all that he said he will do, whether I fail or whether I succeed or whatever. I, so I have learned to trust him. That's what we're going after. That's what happens at the end of the road. And Moses tells them, don't be afraid, but rather, here's what you do, nothing. He says, stand still. Stand still. Psalm 46.10, we read it, says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. All attempts to help yourself must stop. Oh, I know what I'm going to do this time. I'm going to arrange, I'm going to set up some boundaries. I'm going to set up some walls. I'm going to have accountability partners. I'm going to do all these things to change. And God says, it's never going to work. It will never work. I know if I, in my marriage, I, I nag him to death, that will get me what I want. A dead husband, no. I know what I'll, I'll, I'll get a big, I'll get my big boy pants on and I'll tell her how she's going to submit. Again, not going to work. It's a lot of laughing going on with that. Does that happen sometime I didn't know about? Just kidding. Be still is the, is the direction we have. And it, and it means all attempts and helping yourself must stop. All thoughts of planning or scheming must end. All self-sufficiency must be crucified. All self-esteem must be put to an end in exchange for humble dependence upon the Lord. This is the attitude of faith. Stand still, wait, trust, and believe. That's what faith looks like. How did they cross the Red Sea? Hebrews 13.9 is the commentary we have in the Bible for this portion of Exodus 14. And it said, by faith, they crossed the Red Sea. It wasn't because they came up with this plan. Let's part the waters. That's impossible. This is the true pinnacle of Christian living, guys. Learning to allow God to be the hero. Allow God to save you. Trust in him. Our flesh always wants part of the pie. Our flesh always wants to do something, to give more, to rise up, to be worthy, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, I got this, I got this, God. But at the end of the road, we don't got it. And it's such an amazing freedom to be able to say, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> I am sunk. If you don't come through for me, like I read in your word that you promised to do, I am in big trouble. All of the activity that we just mentioned of, of giving more, rising up, is activity of the flesh. It's all self-sourced efforts. It's like a dust cloud around us. And just imagine someone just doing a lot of stuff and just in the desert and what happens, just dust just goes all around them and just... 
And what can't you do when you're surrounded by all this dust cloud of self-efforts? You can't see God. You can't see his promises and his fulfillment. And the only way to let things calm down and to let things settle is by standing still and waiting upon the Lord. Lord, this is what you've said, and I will wait for you to fulfill it. I call upon you, and I wait for you. And that allows the dust to settle so that we can see God's faithfulness. We have to rest in peace. We have to wait with trust upon the Lord. (coughs) Objection! (coughs) That sounds too passive. You're sounding like passive Christianity. Just wait. Just wait. It's the right kind of active because instead of acting with our own abilities and in our own efforts and our own thoughts and ideas and plans, we're going to see how to walk by faith, but it always comes after waiting in stillness. The action that is based totally on the power God gives us and the miracles he grants to us is called walking by faith, and that's what we're going to see. Look, he says, stand still. And then we're going to see, then step forward in faith. Stand still. Stop your striving. That's the first step. You have to stop trying. Then, look at what happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So remember now our verse in Hebrews 11.29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea on dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So the crossing of the Red Sea is by faith, not by sight, right? We're supposed to live by faith, not by sight. So they're told to cross the Red Sea, look, before it parts. Before, you know, in, in, in watching Charlton Heston, or you're watching all the cartoons, and what happens? And they're like, oh, well, that's easy. Let's just go. That's not by faith. That's by sight. If you literally see it, then it's not by faith. Well, I wish God would just show me what's going on in my life and what I need to do. That's the whole point. It's not going to happen that way. God is never going to show you what's going to happen because he requires and demands that we walk by faith. It's a test to walk by faith. And guess what? When you get to heaven, you will never have to walk by faith again. So just think about it. Right now, is your only time where you ever have to walk by faith. You will ever get to walk by faith. Once you get to heaven, you'll see him as he truly is. You're going to know. You're not, nothing's going to be scary to you. Right now, we have to walk by faith. Right now, it's scary. Right now, it's intimidating. So they have to reach out their foot towards the water, and when their foot comes down, as soon as their foot, then the water parts. God never says it's before that. He even describes it practically when we get to the uh, Elijah, but we'll get to that another time. So let's apply this practically to our lives. God's word has directed me to serve and love his people, right? I don't feel equipped or ready to do such a thing. I'm just going to church right now. I don't even want to serve God's people. What do I do? Nothing. And that's okay. You stand still before the Lord. 
when he says, when you hear a word in your ear, when you hear his Holy Spirit start to prompt you to step forward, then you step forward in faith. And as you step forward, he will equip you to do the ministry that he's calling you to do. You know, there's, you know, we're supposed to serve the Lord. But I don't get up here every Sunday and say, why aren't you teaching and why aren't you serving? And what? It doesn't happen that way. We have to stand still before the Lord and allow him to do the work in our heart. And then you'll know, you will know. And if you don't know, then don't do it yet. If you're not ready, if you're not, don't have the fire in your heart to go and serve God's people, then just take a break and say, I'm not there yet. I'm still at the end of the road and I'm waiting for God to speak to me, to to do it in me. It's always going to require you, when you hear the voice, when you hear the God speak to your heart, saying, go serve now, I'm going to equip you, I have a calling for you, it will always require you to obey in faith. And you can't get around that. The, the Red Sea will still look like the Red Sea, and until you put your foot out and down, it will still look impossible. And you'll be like, okay, well, God's told me to serve with the, uh, uh, the little kids downstairs in the nursery, and I, and I, I don't even know, I don't, I'm scared, I'm Oh, it's crazy. And so, but I know he's put it in my heart. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to volunteer. And then the moment you come on that Sunday and you step in and someone hands you their baby, God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and in his sufficiency. And he will take your obedience and faith and transform it into everything that he needed you to be. And you will find sufficiency and, and all that you needed in that moment of obedient faith. It's such a good God we have. Has anyone ever had God let them down when you step forward in faith? The answer is a resounding no. He never lets us down. He always is faithful, even when we're faithless. You can only take this step of faith when you're standing still at the end of the road. You can't take this step of faith when you are stressed out and worried and freaked out. You can't. You have to wait until you're calm and at peace and saying, Father, I'm going to trust you. And the enemy is yelling in your ear, you can't do this. You don't, you, look where you came from. Look what you can't do and look how sinful you are. He will yell all those things at you. And as you wait patiently and set your mind on the Lord, he will bring the peace. And when you're at that peaceful place, you can step out and do God's will. Look what he says now. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed, I indeed will harden the heart of the Egyptians and they will follow them. And so I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So as we've seen in previous studies about this rod that Pharaoh or that Moses had, Moses had this rod and it speaks and represents and teaches us about grace. It's just something outside of you that you lean upon, that you put your hope and trust and you depend upon. So I encourage you to see those previous studies about that. But look what it's showing here. By grace, a way is made. 
It was impossible, but by God's grace, he does the impossible. The sea. The same thing that God's people are saved through is going to bring death to an unbelieving group of people. The same thing. So we are saved through death. When we believe in Christ's death and then we lay ourselves down uh, and die to our own selves to live in him, we experience salvation in life. We go through death. But the world, death is the end. They can't go through death. They go and they're drowned. And that's sad. When they could have accepted God's grace. So let's go on. The angel of God who is typically who in the Bible? Jesus. So the angel of God, typically Jesus, went before the camp of Israel and moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went before them and stood uh, and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near to the other all that night. So Pharaoh stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back over by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and onto their left. Again, our text in Hebrew says, by faith they passed through. This was impossible. It was hopeless. It was an addiction. I was born this way. It is too difficult. It is too high. It's too deep. It's too far to go. But not when faith and God's grace enters the equation. Then you walk forward when trusting in the Lord and all victory is yours. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through a pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels. <laughs> chariot wheels. <laughs> so God just is like messing with them. He's like, ha ha, chariots, dink. And he just takes off their chariot wheels. Another, a couple other translations read that he made them seize up. And then it says, so that they drove them with difficulty. <laughs> so uh, this has a really good spiritual application, but I like the funny application first, which is just imagine all of them crashing into each other because their wheels stopped. and I just love it. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters might come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. So the Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses but we remember the name of our God. Boy, that applies. Presented without comment. If you decide to put your trust in anything but God, God will cause what you trust in to fall apart or to seize up. 
Whenever anyone tries to accomplish the same salvation that the Lord gives by grace, by the flesh, in the flesh, it utterly fails. It will never succeed. And God looks down and he troubles you so that you won't succeed. Okay, you're an alcoholic. I'm not pointing at anyone specifically. Just saying. You're an alcoholic. And there's two ways to go. Well, there's a few. You can just keep being an alcoholic. Let your life be ruined by it. Okay? You can do the 10-step program or the 12-step program or the 22-step program or whatever thing you want. And that involves getting on your chariot and driving down this path with all these steps. And God will look down and he will say, that's not the way. Because you're doing the whole thing without trusting me. Yes, it's good that you stop drinking. But I'm going to trouble you anyway. Because it can't be done apart from my son. I refuse to allow it to ever be done apart from my son. My son is the center of the universe. He is all that matters. And I demand that if you are set free, it is done through my way with my grace, with my rod, with my son. You have to do it my way. And even if you get through the 10 steps and you find yourself, I don't have to drink anymore, I don't want to drink anymore, aren't I free? The waters are still going to crash down all around you. And it will be pointless because you didn't do it the Lord's way. That's why we have to talk about grace and God's love and God's power over and over and over again because you and I, we love to find a system that works. Oh, if you just do church this way and you have this kind of teaching and you have this kind of music and if you have this, then people come and God's work is accomplished. No. No. God's work is accomplished invisibly by humble, broken hearts. And if I'm not humble and broken, it doesn't matter who comes and it doesn't matter. And if we as a people aren't humble and broken, it doesn't matter what you're accomplishing at work or in your life or in your marriages or in your families. Nothing matters because the waters crash down and they come over us. God has established one way of salvation, faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He says it's open to everyone. It's free. It's available. So what are you saying? There's, there's the either be an alcoholic and, and live to, to, for that. Or do the 10 steps and you're, you're, you're screwed anyway. What's the other way? The other way is stand still, see the salvation of God, see what Jesus does on the cross, wait for him, call upon him, and he sets you free. Well, what do I do if I, if I mess up and have a drink? Well, the Bible says what to do. Anyone? What? Stand still, confess your sins. Oh, that's so passive. Oh, really? Confessing your sins is a passive thing to do? No, it's not. It's a very active thing to do. Now, you're not doing anything to forgive your sins, but you're confessing your sins means you're actively jumping into the life and promises of Jesus Christ. Because he says, I am faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your only job is confess your sins to me. Believe me, trust me, wait for me. I will do the work. But, but, but what if I drink again? Wait, wait what, Vicky? Confess again? 
well, then I'm just taking advantage of the grace of God. No, you're being obedient to the word of God. He says to us, if someone sins against you 70 times in a day, what are you supposed to do? Forgive him. So do you think God will do any less? If we confess our sins and we ask him for forgiveness time after time after time, I'm telling you guys, that is the way to freedom. And it is standing still and it is passive in one way of thinking, but in another way, it's very active because you're diving in to the life and promises of Jesus Christ. You're being obedient to what the word of God says to do when you sin because he never says, try harder next time. Does he? The Bible doesn't say that. And he doesn't say, set up your life so you never come near alcohol because you know you're going to be tempted. He never says that either. He says, in all your living, just confess your sin. Come back to me over and over and over. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall around them to the right and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, and Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. They, at the end of the road, God's people stood still. They came to the end of all their self-confidence. They learned to trust in God and in his grace alone. That was it. And you guys might be at the end of the road today. You guys may feel like the thing that you're struggling with just comes back over and over. And I'm not really a bad person, but this one thing, I am so tempted and I give in so quick to that one area. And I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And I just feel weak and defeated and even this week i feel at the end of my road where i'm like lord i have to learn to apply your word and say i will not trust in myself i'm going to fill up my mind with your word and your promises and i'm going to wait in peace and i'm going to put my trust in you when i do sin i'm going to confess it in humility and faith and watch what you do that sound like a plan guys Amen. We're going to sing a couple more songs here. So would you guys stand up with me? Get your blood pumping. And, and this is a great time to take the, the truths that were spoken to us and let them just sink down in.